Good morning, church. Awesome job, worship team. Can we give our appreciation team to the worship team? So awesome. Man, God's presence is in the space. Welcome again to church. We are in the fourth and final week of our Pray First series. Today is also the last week of 21, or last day of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Man, it's been an awesome month. We've been hearing from so many of you guys how you're hearing from God so clearly, how the 21 days of prayer and fasting has been such a blessing to you. It's been such a blessing to Eric and I as well. And I'm actually considering um, continuing some of the fasting parts because, man, I've experienced just such um, clarity and greater intimacy with the Lord during this time. But today, week four of Pray First, we're actually going to dive into what is known as the Lord's Prayer. Um, But before we do, you know, Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer. We're going to talk about it here in just a minute as a model prayer. And as I was preparing this week, I was thinking about some different model prayers that I've been taught over the years, and I kind of caught myself laughing a little bit at some of them and how funny they are. Like the first one that came to mind, I don't know if you guys have ever prayed this way before. Has anybody before a meal said, rub-a-dub-dub, thank God for the grub? No. I don't know if it was a family member or a friend, but in childhood I remember someone praying that and it kind of sticking for a season. Well, I actually looked up to see where it's from and it originated on The Simpsons. So there's that. Maybe not the best place to model our prayers after. Um, But I remember as a child, too, praying this prayer as kind of a model prayer before going to bed. Um, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray you, Lord, my soul to keep. Wake me in the morning, light and guard me through the dark of night. Amen. Have you guys heard one like that? There's lots of variations to that one. One that's kind of horrifying and funny at the same time, a variation of that one. If you've listened to Tim Hawkins, the Christian community, and he makes a, a joke about this one. But one variation, like one of the oldest, like the second oldest variation of this one says, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die... Before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Good night. Good night, sweetie. Yeah. And you wonder why kids are afraid when they go to bed. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. But if you die, let's just pray. (laughs) So that's not the best model prayer. It's not horrible, but it's not the best. Um, You know, I was thinking back, all three of our kids went to... um, Christian preschools, which is always just so precious for them to have that foundation at that age. And one thing that they all learned, Ella went to preschool in Kalamazoo, she went to a different one. Our boys went down the road to Cornerstone Preschool, and they all learned um, a prayer to say before snack time. I remember the boys was, God is good, God is great, thank you God for this food, in Jesus' name, amen. Ella's was longer than that, I couldn't, we couldn't remember it today, but I remember in that season, like, we could rattle it off. And so it's good. It's good to have models of prayer. Um, you know, every day that the kids have school, when you drop them off at school, we don't say the same exact thing, but we hit a lot of the same points. You know, before they hop out the car, we say, God, thank you for today. Thank you that it's the day you've made. We're grateful for it. You know, we pray for their protection. God, thank you that you keep them safe and healthy at school. Help them grow into the people you've called them to be. And Lord, help them be a light for you, Jesus, to everyone around them. In Jesus' name, Amen. And Eric probably says something a little bit different, but that's what I pray. And so it's something, you know, um, models of prayer. It's helpful sometimes, especially when we're young of age and when we're old of age. It just helps to have a model of, okay, I know I'm supposed to pray, but how? And like, is there a guide? Is there an outline of what and how I should pray? And so 
When I say the Lord's Prayer, some of you guys might have a lot of reference point for that. Maybe you grew up in a more traditional church where every Sunday you said the Lord's Prayer together as a church congregation. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I have no clue what you're talking about when you say the Lord's Prayer. Is that something that I should know? Um, And so this morning, regardless of where you're at with this, we're excited to take a look at this in Scripture with fresh eyes to see what we can learn. But first, let's pray and then we'll dive in. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for today, and um, God, we come with open hearts, open minds. Father, reveal yourself to us in a fresh way. Reveal how you want us to approach you in a fresh way, and Lord, we thank you for greater intimacy with you as the result, and we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the Lord's Prayer, so um, it's mentioned two different times in Scripture, in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. We're going to look at both examples because we can learn a little bit from both of them. Let's just dive into it. Let's take a look at them, and then we'll expound on them. So the first reference I want to go to is Luke 11, 1 through 4, and it kind of tells us the context of how Jesus taught this. And it says in verse 1, now it came to pass as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he, Jesus, said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will um, on earth, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So we learn from this reference that Jesus is praying. How amazing to be the disciples and to be able to see Jesus when he was praying. What was his posture of his body. How did, how did he do it? They were watching him like, wow, something about it. They were like, man, we want to learn how to pray like him. And so Jesus, so he, when Jesus was done, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. We want to pray like you. And Jesus gives them this model of the Lord's prayer. We see um, the Lord's prayer again in Matthew 6, 5 through 13. It's quite a bit more um, text, but we'll read it together. It says, And Jesus said, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward, but you, when you pray, go to your room, and when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they're going to be heard for all of their many words. Therefore, don't be like them, for your Father knows the things that you need before you ask him. So we have a little bit more teaching from Jesus on prayer. Then in verse 9, Jesus says, In this manner, we'll go back to that in a minute. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So this morning we're going to dive in. That's all we're talking about this morning is what can we glean from this? We're talking about pray first. And maybe you've heard teachings on this before. Maybe you haven't. I guess we all come with a fresh mind, fresh perspective. I believe the Lord has something specific for each and every one of us. But man, 
Jesus gave us a model for prayer. Like, how do we pray effectively, God? He gave us a model. And I want to emphasize that because earlier, earlier in, um, in this reference in Matthew that we just read, Jesus says, don't pray with vain repetition. And so God's not wanting us to vainly repeat this prayer, like as a religious ritual, right? He said, pray in this manner. Let this be like a model or an outline or a form of prayer. Not necessarily, yes, you can pray it. It's powerful to pray scripture, but not in a vain repetition type of way. Pray in this manner. Pray in this posture or use this as an example of how to pray. So we're going to dive into the prayer line by line in just a minute, but I want to make one side note. I've had numerous people come up to me this, this month as we're in the Pray First, Pray First series asking me, is it okay if I pray in my heart without words coming out? I just want to encourage you, yes. God is spirit and we are spirit and we connect to him spirit to spirit. So whether you speak it out loud or whether you whisper it in your heart or speak it in your heart from your spirit to his spirit, he hears it. Um, there is power when we speak it because then we also hear ourselves speak it. But there's so many times that I've prayed in my heart and God answers. Um, one other thing I want to mention is a, a big part of my personal prayer um, spiritual discipline is writing out my prayers in a journal. I like to always during worship and during my quiet time have paper near me, have a journal near me to write down when God speaks to me. But in my quiet time, I write down my prayers to him and it's one of, my, one of the most life-giving things I do on an almost daily basis. And so when we were singing that song, I sought the Lord and he heard and, it, and he answered, and we kept saying that over and over, when you write out your prayers, and I'm not talking about formal prayers, like I'm talking about like high schooler note to his friend in the hallway type prayers to God, like just real, just talking to God. And sometimes my prayers to him that I write are, me casting my cares on him. Other times it's me declaring his promises. Other times it's me thanking him. Just conversation of all different kinds, right? Sometimes it's me asking him. Um, but what's so cool when you write out your prayers is that there's something powerful about when you commit to it in pen and paper. You're, you're like, okay, I am actually fully deciding to ask you for this and I can't go back and erase it. Like I, my faith actually fully is in this. And I actually really do believe you. I'm not half-heartedly believing you because I'm writing it out. It just does something to um, the, um, the, dec the decreeness, the decisiveness of our prayers. That's super powerful. It helps me scatterbrain to be like, oh, that is what I'm feeling, God. It helps when I write it out. But also it helps because now I've got decades worth of journals that I can go back and read and remember what I was praying about back then and see how time after time I saw the Lord, he heard me, he answered, and I have record of it. A lot of that, I mean, the book of Psalms is a, a record of a lot of King David's prayers. So it's definitely scriptural. So I encourage you to consider in, um, including that in your spiritual habits. Um, 
But back to the Lord's Prayer. We're going we're gonna to dive into it like line by line. So six different thoughts. We're going to take quite a bit of time on the first couple ones, and we'll go quicker through the last couple ones. But the first one that I want to camp out front for quite a bit is this one. Number one, when Jesus taught us how to pray, he taught us to address God as our Father, as our Holy Father, right? Just to take a look at it again, in Matthew 6, 9, Jesus said, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father. In heaven, hallowed be your name. This is like super significant. Jesus is teaching us how to pray, and he says, when you pray, when you approach God, call him Father, and have a recognition that he's your Father who's in heaven, and he's holy, and he's set apart. You know, God, Jesus could have told us to call him a lot of different things. Like this is Jesus's opportunity to tell his disciples that are going to go and, and build his church. To, this, you know, he's teaching his people how to pray and he's doing this intentionally. And he says, call God by the name Father. He could have said, say almighty God, I am your created. It would have been true. He could have said, call him Almighty God, Almighty Maker. He could have said, when you pray, say Lord and King, so that you remember he is supreme leader in your life. He could have said, when you pray, pray, oh, just judge, because I know you are the one that judges the living and the dead. There's a lot of ways Jesus could have taught us to pray. But he said, make sure you approach God as your father. And if I could be really honest, like I have a habit, even this morning when I prayed, I have a habit of saying Lord when I'm praying. And that's not unbiblical. We see, we see even the disciples saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. You see all throughout the Psalms, prayers of calling God Lord. Um, and it's just like, my heart is like, you're Lord. You're, like, you you're my leader. Like whatever you say, I'll do. But I have in the last couple years tried to get better in the habit of calling God Father in prayer more. And even this week as I was preparing for the message, I was spending some time praying and writing out my prayers. And I started by saying, Lord. And then I put, comma, Father. Tiny little shift, guys, but the posture of my heart towards the Lord was different. A Lord doesn't care so much about his subjects. We know our Heavenly Father does. But like in the natural, a Lord or a King is the leader and he's supreme leader, yes, but he doesn't, it's not a posture of you know that you're loved by the Lord. You just know that he's Lord and you're not, right? But when we approach God as Father, when I said, comma, Father, it, was, it reminded me of the awareness of, yes, he's still my authority, in my, still the authority in my life, but he also loves me deeply. I'm going to my father who loves me deeply. Jesus wanted to make sure that we knew the primary way that God wants us to approach him is from a father-child relationship, from this awareness of we're coming to our father who loves us deeply. Amen. 1 John um, 3, 1 says this, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Like, why in the world would the creator of the universe want us to call him Father instead of, 
I mean, he wants us to call him all the other names, right? But he wants us to make sure we know I am your father first and foremost. Yes, I am Lord of Lords and King of Kings and Maker, and I'm the King, I'm the Lord, all of those things. Yes, but what manner of love that we as his creation are loved by him, and he wants um, us to be his children. So what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it doesn't know him. So we could camp out on this point all morning, but I hope you guys keep chewing on it for the rest of the week and in the year in your life. Like, God, you want me to approach you as Father first and foremost, to know at the core of my being that I love you because you first loved me. Amen? Number two, the next phrase in the Lord's Prayer reminds us that as we pray, we are to champion and to yield to God's will and his plan. We see this in Matthew 6.10. Jesus says, And when you pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is super important, right? Two weeks ago, we talked about our posture in prayer. And we talked about how first and foremost, we have to have a posture of a beloved, right? But we also, number two, two weeks ago, was we have to have a posture of an obedient child and follower, God says, when you pray, come to God as Father, but then come with the posture, with the, with the example of championing and yielding God's will and his plan. So coming from a posture of, God, I've got a lot of things on my mind today. I've got a lot of priorities that I would like to do, but God, what's your plan for today? What's your priority for today? What's your agenda for today? Not my will, but your will be done. Lord, I'm desiring all of these things in my life, and I've got a lot of things going on in my heart, but God, what's your desire? What's your heart for this situation in my life? So it's super good. I want to clarify this just a little bit because there's, there can be a, a good and a bad habit of saying, Lord, do this in my life if it's your will, right? So we know that the Bible is the will of God, and so we can pray, we can know the will of God as we know the word of God, right? For example, we know that it is God's will that all people be saved. So we don't have to say, God, if it's your will, save Aunt Polly, because we already know it's his will. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're saying it with more of this kind of posture. Lord, I know it's your will to save Aunt, Aunt Polly. I don't know why I just said Aunt Polly, but if you have not Aunt Polly... Awesome. We're praying for this morning. Um, so we're praying from this posture, not really this posture. We're saying, Lord, we know it's your will. So Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come save Aunt Polly, right? We know that it's God's will for us to be healed, spirit, soul, body. So it's not, Lord, if you want to heal me from this thing that I'm going through, it's, Lord, I know you are my healer. Lord, I know that you have made provision. You sent your word and healed me. So, Lord, I believe, Lord, may healing manifest in my life. It's different. So there's times that we pray with the, Lord, I know it's your will to provide. God, God, if it's your will, help me pay my bills. No, I know that you're my source. You're my provider. So, God, I know your will is to meet all of my needs according to your, love, your, 
riches in Christ Jesus, right? I know that you want us to have exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask think, or imagine. Um, so in those ways, as we pray, your will be done, your kingdom comes, there's certain things that we know what his will is. And it's not helpful to say, if it's your will. There's a, there's a lot of other times that it is helpful to pray, if it's your will. Like, you're trying to decide if you should take this job or take that job or leave your job or whatever. And you can't find a scripture that says, you know, Livingston County 713, and you will take this job in 2024. I know it's your will, God. And so in those situations, it's like, God, I know your plans for me are good. I know you're my provider. I know, Holy Spirit, you're my leader and my God. But I don't know exactly, specifically, if you want me to take this job, I don't know exactly or specifically if this house is the one that you have for me. I don't know exactly or specifically what college I'm supposed to go to or whatever, what outfit I'm supposed to wear today or whatever it is. So Lord, what's your will? Your, your will be done in it. And when we pray it that way, when, when his will is not known, the, the specificness of his will. And then we pray this part of God's model prayer of, your will become your, your your will be done. Your kingdom come, right? I don't. I'm not sure what it is, but I'm yielded to it. Whatever it is, does that make sense? Okay. So we champion, and we yield to God's will and His plan. Number three, the next part of the Lord's prayer, the Lord's model prayer, is number three: ask for what you need. Matthew 6, 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. But hold up, earlier didn't he say God knows what you need before he asks him? So why? You know, you already know. Why does he want us to ask him if you already know what we need before we ask? I think it's because he wants relationship with us. He wants us to trust him. Um, you know, as a parent, we understand God in a greater dimension as we become parents, right? As a parent, I actually love it when my kids give me a list of what they want for Christmas or for their birthday. I actually love that. Why? Because I, I want to give them something that will bring them delight. I don't want them to open it and be like, oh, I don't really want it. Thanks, mom. That's the worst, Right? <laughs> So you're like, oh, good, this is really what you want? Like, this would delight your heart if you could have anything. This is what you want? Awesome. Because parents want their kids to delight. And no, like, there's certain things where it's like, no, that's selfish. And no, you don't need that and whatever. But when it's really their heart's desire, like, I would really love this, Mom. I love it when they tell that to me so that I can get it for them. And as, as humans with limited resources, we know as parents sometimes we're like, well, it's not really in the budget, but I'll sacrifice on my end. I really want this, but I'll do without that so you can have what you want, right? And as a parent, we love that because it, it overwhelms our kid's heart, right? That their joy may be full. Um, and so I believe God's the same way because he loves for our joy to be full. Um, and it builds the relationship of, oh, wow, I asked mom and dad for this and I got it. It builds trust in the relationship, but then you put it in the God perspective. God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Like resources are not an issue when we ask him things. And he delights greatly in us asking him because a lot of times, here's what a lot of times that what can happen in prayer. 
God loves it when we cast our cares on him and we tell him how we feel and we talk to him in that way. That's wonderful. But at a certain point, it has to get to an ask. Like a lot of times we talk to God. Oh, it'd be really nice if this was happening in my life and it'd be really great if X, Y, Z. But we never actually get to the point when we say, so God, could you make that happen? So God, like, could you move in my life in this way? God, could you provide in my life in this way? So God, I ask you to be my provider. There's a big difference between us talking to God about the desires of our heart and us actually asking him, right? What's the difference? Faith. Because when you're talking to him about it, you know, you're, you're like being friendly with him about it, or maybe even complaining. But when you ask him, you believe that he can do something about it, right? So I don't know, God, should we live in this house, or should I take this job, or I don't know, what should we do with the kids? Or, but it's kind of more of a conversational way in the way that you're talking to your spouse and your mama and your friend and your neighbor, and you're talking to everybody about it, but have you actually asked God Maybe you've talked to God about it, and, I'll, and sometimes you need to process it and be like, what, it, what even is my ask? I was in the um, Basics 301 prayer class on Thursday night. We were talking about this a little bit. Um, sometimes you need to, like I've got journal entry, prayer journal entries where I'm talking to the Lord about a lot of stuff because I'm not even sure what the ask is yet. Like I'm not even sure what's going on or what I even need to be asking for. So yeah, talk to him about it and roll it around in conversation with the Lord, but then get to the point where you actually ask. You have not because you ask not, Scripture says. He says, ask for wisdom and I'm going to give it to you, but you got to ask. Man, I really wish I knew how to do this. Ask for it. Ask for wisdom. Ask for the connections. Ask for the direction. Right? I love this Scripture in um, Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Jesus says, ask. So many scriptures. When we were studying this on Thursday night, I don't have all the scriptures for today because it would be a Sunday on its own. But so many times throughout scripture, Jesus is saying, ask. And when you pray, ask. And so we see it here again. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, um. Oh, I'm reading it wrong. Let me read it again. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread, would he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, imperfect, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So this morning, I want to ask you, lots of asking. I'm asking you to ask God, is there something in your life that you, is a thing, it's just a thing, that you've been talking to a lot of people about, and maybe you've even been talking to God about it, but is there something in your life that you haven't clearly asked God for yet? Write it down. Make a note. 
Because we have not, because we ask not. And when we ask, we are saying, God, I believe you actually have power to do something about this. I'm putting my trust in you. And we sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. Amen? Like Pastor Eric said last week, we need to get our ask, A-S-K, in gear, right? We really do. Um, and so I want to encourage you on that. There's something else I was going to say, but I'll remember it as we keep going. Um, God wants us to ask. It floated away, but it'll come back. Um, number four that we can learn from um, Jesus' model of prayer in the Lord's Prayer is ask for forgiveness and forgive others. We see this in Matthew 6, 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts. So when you pray, pray our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, you, and so I'm going to talk about this later, but as you're praying, make it your own language, right? God, you are my Father. Thank you for being holy and set apart. Thank you for being my Daddy God, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and now we're at and forgive us our debts as we forget our debt tours. So Jesus is talking about this importance of forgiveness. Asking God for forgiveness in prayer. And when we have awareness of people that we have bitterness towards or we have offense towards, forgiving them in the midst of prayer as well. We see this same reference uh, or similar reference in Matthew eleven twenty five. Where Jesus says, and whenever you stand praying, whenever you're praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. So it's a good prayer principle. It's a good model of prayer. If you're in the middle of prayer and you recognize, oh God, I forgot I did that thing the other day and you probably weren't happy about that. Oh Lord, forgive me for that. Or in the midst of while you're praying, you realize, oh, I've got this, ugh, in my heart towards someone right now. Just, ugh, forgive them in that moment. Lord, I forgive them. They know not what they do, and I'm just going to believe the best. They probably didn't even mean it, and I'm blowing it up. Lord, I forgive them. Huh, you're just light, and all of a sudden, the clogged arteries of prayer are free. When you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. So side note on this, asking God for forgiveness. We know that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, he died on the cross once and for all for our sins. So that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, he cleanses us of all unrighteousness, throws our sin as far as the east is from the west, past, present, and future sins forgiven. We can now approach God boldly as if sin never existed, right? But then, like, that doesn't mean you, like, you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but that doesn't mean you never sin again, right? So why is God asking us or telling us to ask for forgiveness in prayer if we're already forgiven? It's not because he is holding our sins against us. It's not that we do not have right standing with God. We have right standing with God, not on our own merits, but because of what Jesus did on the cross, Right? Our relationship, he is still our father. We, we, we're going to sin numerous times every day, right? So it's not that we're in wrong standing with God because our righteousness is not based on our works. It's based on what Jesus does. It's because, like for example, 
if, um, I'll use Eric as an example, husband and wife, right? And co-pastors, and there's a lot of roles, but husband and wife in that role. We're, we're married, we're in love, all of that. We're husband and wife. But then something happens where one of us sins against the other, whatever that might be. I can't think of what would be a good example. <laughs> Didn't fold the towels right. All right. <laughs> Didn't fold the towels right or the socks right or something. He knows that I like something done. I'll say, I know he likes something done a certain way, and I intentionally didn't do it that way in spite of him, right? Um, and so I sinned against him. It doesn't change the fact that we're husband and wife. We're still husband and wife, but there's just some funkiness in our relationship. So me saying, hey, hon, I'm sorry. I know you love it when this happens, and I did it the other way just to make you mad. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? That doesn't restore our relationship as husband and wife. It just restores the quality of our relationship. Does that make sense? So when Jesus is saying, and um, forgive our debts as we forget our debtors, we're not saying we need our relationship restored, our right standing restored with God. We just need the quality of our relationship restored because there's blockage in the pipes from us doing something that offended him, that we knew wasn't his will. Does that make sense? And so it's just so, it's so important that, you know, Scripture says guard your heart against all, you know, put a triple guard on your heart because all the issues of life spring out of your heart. So it's just super important that we're always aware that we don't let offense or bitterness or unforgiveness dwell in our heart. Jesus says every time that you pray, it's a good, like, filter. It's a good, I don't, can't think of the word, but, like, good maintenance like you should be praying every day, multiple times a day. So every time you pray, you should remember, do I have any ought against anybody? I'm going to just forgive them immediately. God, do I have any ought against you? I'm just going to ask for forgiveness immediately and live from that clean and free place. Amen? Acts 24, 16 says, Believe me, I do my level best to, to keep a clear conscience before God and my neighbors and everything I do. I think that's really great. Okay, these last two we're going to go through real quick. Number five, ask for freedom from evil and temptation. We see this towards the end of the prayer. Jesus says, and when you pray, pray, um, and Father, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here's an important clarification on this. Only good things come from God. Only bad things come from Satan. Good God, bad devil, right? We know this from John 10.10. 10. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come, Jesus says, that you might have life and that you ha might have it more abundantly. So God never tempts us, okay? God never condemns us. God is not the source of anything bad in our life. He is a good father, and he is the giver of all good things, Right? But just like when we drop our kids off, but we live in an earth with a curse. We live in an evil, fallen world. We live in a world where Satan's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And so God's saying, so pray for protection. Just like we, every day we drop off our kids, Lord, we thank you that they're safe, that they're healthy, that they're protected. Every time we leave for a long trip, God, we thank you that you protect us. We thank you that the angels of God are around us. God, lead us not into temptation. Help us, Lord, be aware and not come into a setting that puts us in a place of temptation. Not that he would tempt us, but that we would not be in a position where temptation, um, giving into temptation is greater or that temptation is greater. 
Amen? Side note, I think someone needs to hear this this morning. Just because you are tempted does not mean you sinned. Satan, or Satan, Jesus was perfect without sin, but he was tempted just as you and I were. He had thoughts that were impure just like you and I were. He just did not meditate and act on them. Satan will plant a thought. You see that in the wilderness when Jesus was fasting and praying for 40 days. Satan planted thoughts in his mind. Oh, you could jump off that cliff and yada, 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 and angels would. You'd be the ruler, whatever. Just because Satan plants a thought does not mean it originated from you. It doesn't mean you have to identify with that thought. So don't beat yourself up because you had a random evil thought or you were tempted to do something. We live on an earth with a curse, and, and as soon as the thought comes, we need to do something about it and not meditate or identify with it. So Lord, lead us not into temptation. Help us renew our mind. Deliver us from the evil one, because yours is the... Let's go to the next, next scripture. Last, close, close prayer and faith. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So we end our prayer in faith. So I pray all of this, and Lord, I thank you. I receive it. Matthew 11 says, when you pray, believe that you have received, and then you'll have. So God, I thank you that yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You guys doing good? That's a lot of content for a Sunday morning. Lots to chew on, lots to apply. Maybe you're a refresher for some people, but an essential one. Play basketball, you do layup lines every practice. Coming to church, you're going to learn how to pray every time. So what, what's your takeaway this morning? Do you need to remember to approach God as a father? Not an angry man trying to beat you, not a judge. Not, he, is a ju he is your judge and he is your Lord and all of that. But God wants relationship with you. He wants you to know first and foremost that you are loved. So do we need to approach God from a posture of a beloved child more? Do we need to approach God? What's, what's your biggest takeaway? Do, we need to, do you need to approach prayer with more of a yielded heart, championing his will? Whether it's, God, I believe, thank you that this is your will, or God, what is your will? Or a little bit of both. Do you need to get your ask in gear? Are there some things that have been rolling around in your heart that you've been talking to a lot of people about, but you haven't actually asked God yet? Would you be so bold enough to ask God in writing? God, I believe you're able. I believe this is your will. Would you do this in my life? Or maybe is there some bitterness going on in your heart? Or you know that you've missed the mark with God and you just have been afraid to come to him because you know there's a lot of junk and so you've just been avoiding him instead of just saying, God, forgive me. I know I've always been your child, just like we're always going to be husband and wife. But man, the relationship's just a little funky right now because of things I did, and I'm sorry. Restore the relationship with the Lord through confession. Restore the relationship with the Lord through forgiving others. Our bitterness towards others affects our relationship with him. So is there junk in your heart that you need to get rid of? Asking for forgiveness. Do you feel like you're in a dark place? Scripture says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against you shall be condemned. Do you need to have faith that God is good, devil is bad, resist the devil and he will flee from you? So we don't need to be afraid of the kingdom of darkness. 
when we ask God for forgiveness or when we ask God for protection and to lead us not into temptation, he actually will do that. And then do we need to just close in faith? Do we need to believe that when we seek the Lord, he will hear us and he will answer? Call to me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things, the Lord says. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And um, Lord, we thank you for your model of prayer. And God, we thank you that you want intimacy with us in a greater way. You want us to come to you as Father. You want us to ask you things. You want us to be yielded and champion, championing your will. God, we thank you. You want us to ask for what we need. That you want us to ask to not be led into temptation. For us to be protected. God, we thank you that you want us to live free of offense. Free of the the bondages of sin. And so just in this moment, go ahead in your own way. If you feel like you need to ask God for something that you've just been talking about, go ahead and ask him right now in faith. Maybe you're here this morning and you've got some junk in your heart towards someone else, or maybe there's junk in your relationship with God because of sin. Just go ahead and ask for forgiveness. Clear that pipe this morning. Ask and receive Maybe you feel like you're in a dark place, but you believe God is your protector. He's the source of all good. God, we thank you that you protect us. You lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so, God, we pray these things. We ask these things in faith because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Our faith and trust is in you. In Jesus' name.